Well, thank you very much for that introduction. I didn't realise that I'd had that sort of an influence over your uh, formative views in Britain. Um, it makes me worried. Um, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It's a pleasure and a privilege to be with you here today for today's debate. <coughs> the subject of our conversation could be summed up in three words, and it, I think it was intended that these would be on the wall, on the, on the screen. Um, Brexit, populism and Euroscepticism. To many ears, all three words are disreputable. Brexit is the B word, interchangeable with racism or stupidity. Populism is a short term for the great unwashed. And Euroscepticism is nothing less than heresy. Perhaps the only word that outranks them, as in rankness, is tabloid. And I'm proud to be here as a representative of the most tabloid of tabloid newspapers, The Sun, otherwise known by Kelvin Mackenzie, its famous editor, as The Current Bun. This year, The Sun, as we know it, is celebrating its half-century as a Brexit-supporting, Eurosceptic, popular tabloid. So there you have it, all in one sentence. I have just notched up 40 years with the paper, first as industrial correspondent, then for 23 years as its political editor, followed by a stint as chief leader writer and now as a columnist and associate editor. The Sun has not always been Eurosceptic, it's worth knowing this, uh, just as Margaret Thatcher campaigned to join the original uh, European Economic Community in 1973, so we too thought it was a good idea at the time. Along with millions of our readers, we fell for the untruth that we were joining a common market only, not an overwhelmingly political construct. Prime Minister Ted Heath knew otherwise. He was fully aware and formally warned by his Lord Chancellor at the time, Lord Kilmuir, that the Grand Projet, or Grand Projet, involved sacrificing UK sovereignty on a grand scale. We were unwittingly volunteering to be slowly subsumed into a political superstate with its own currency, its own legal system, and its own constitution, which took precedence over laws enacted by elected MPs at Westminster. This multi-layered bureaucracy, today with five presidents, was and still is unaccountable and blatantly undemocratic. As Tony Wedgwood Baird, not someone I would normally, normally be quoting, famously said, if it ain't democratic, it ain't democratic if you can't kick them out. It took a while for the euro to drop. Once it did, with the launch of the uh, ECU, the forerunner to the euro, the seeds of Euroscepticism were sown. We were not prepared to sacrifice our national currency on the altar of ever closer union. European Commissioner Jacques Delors, architect of this huge gamble, became our greatest bogeyman. As you may recall from one of our most notorious front pages, We called on our readers to face East at noon on November the 1st, 1990, and ball at Gaul, as we put it, while simultaneously launching an invasion force of page three girls uh, in an ex-army personnel carrier. They were given a very warm welcome at the gates of Brussels. 
We took a lot of flack over that impertinence. Circulation soared as a result. But the sun's scepticism is not fueled by newspaper sales or by clicks online. We believe we are speaking up for the people of Britain. In those heady days, we sold more copies to A, B and C category readers than all the broadsheets, or unpopulars, as we like to call them, added together. When the pound finally crashed out of the European monetary system, I was told by a currency dealer in a major bank that there was only one newspaper, The Sun, to be seen on dealing room floors. There were no financial times. No FT, no comment. So it is ironic now that uh, Monsieur Delors, of all people, today admits that the Euro straitjacket was flawed from the start, that the modern generation of European leaders have failed to address its fundamental problems. He should have listened to us. He blames Germany in particular for insisting, for instance, that the European Central Bank must not support debt-stricken members for fear of fueling inflation. He was speaking in 2011, before the insolvent Greece crisis, before insolvent Greece, which should never have been allowed into the EU in the first place, was cruelly put on the rack by Germany for breaking borrowing limits, as it would always have done. The birth of the euro marked the beginning of my newspaper's crusade against ever closer union. Today it presents an ex existential threat to, to the grand project itself. What happened to poor old Greece in 2015, as brilliant dis brilliantly described by its former finance minister Yanis Varoufakis, is the cruelest indictment of the European Union in action. The EU and the euro is not working nor are tens of millions of school leavers who may never find employment in their lifetimes thanks to the one-size-fits-all straitjacket of the European single currency and on the economies of European member states. British newspapers are notoriously un and unapologetically partisan on the issue of Europe, not necessarily anti-Europe. For those unfamiliar with our various titles, the pro-EU side is taken by newspapers like the Daily Mirror, the Guardian, the Financial Times and the Economist, with the Times trying hard not, but not always succeeding in being impartial. The Brexit side is taken by the Sun, the Telegraph Group and, until recently, the Daily Mail. The departure of its editor, Paul Dacre, has been a serious loss to the uh, Brexit argument. Far more importantly, are the broadcasters who lean to various degrees in favour of Brussels with the mighty BBC as its most flagrantly biased cheerleader. The struggle has been long and occasionally brutal. For the most part, Europe has won the war of attrition, except most importantly, at least here, the introduction of the European single currency. The Sun played a key role in preventing Britain from plunging headlong into this madness under Tony Blair. Credit also goes to Gordon Brown, who dug in his heels as Chancellor. But it was the Sun that won a promise from Tony Blair to consult the people before giving away control over the British currency and the British economy. The moment was never quite ripe for that. It was also the Sun, in an unlikely alliance with the Europhile economist 
newspaper, who stopped the EU constitution in its tracks. In fact, that turned out to be a hollow victory. France rejected it by 55% to 45%, Holland by 62 to 38%, but the Eurocrats simply paused, renamed it the Lisbon Treaty, and rammed it through regardless. To quote Margaret Thatcher, constitutions have to be written on hearts, not on paper. It is this sheer bloody-minded arrogance that enrages our readers and many people who are not our readers. Nor is it solely a British phenomenon. Poll after poll by respected agencies like the Pew Research Centre and the EU's own Eurostat agency reveal bitter resentment towards Brussels and its contempt for the views of its 500 million citizens. At the time of our referendum in 2016, the Pew Agency found that the Greeks, French and Spanish all had an even more unfavourable view of the European Union than the British did. Uh, President Macron has actually said that he wouldn't dare have a, a referendum on membership of the European Union in France because they'd lose it. It is beyond astonishing that complacent European leaders could, as they did, let such a key member state as Britain slip through their fingers in 2016. Whatever fudges and fixes are drummed up over the next few days, weeks, or unfortunately perhaps years, we are never going to be a full-fledged EU member again. We are out. Angela Merkel, Angela Merkel and whoever was French president at the time could easily have tweaked a deal which would have got Remain over the line. They refused to budge. Voted, voters noticed this arrogance. They are perhaps even more outraged now after three years of wrangling. A new in-out referendum might find even more want Brexit than before. Brussels, as ever, is counting on a second referendum to put things back together. They should be careful what they wish for. Nor is this a zero-sum game with Britain as the awkward squad among an otherwise happy band of member states. Just look at what's happening in the Visegrad countries, in Hungary, Poland, and in Italy and even Spain, and in France indeed. This is not a happy band of brothers. The democratic deficit is taking its toll. Britain's frustration is just a symptom, but it risks developing into a tumour which will eat away at the European Union. It's an existential crisis in my view, unless it adapts and becomes more accountable and democratic, which it can't and it won't. You don't have to take my word about this failure of democracy. Just look at the way the EU has been hijacked by its own most powerful unelected civil servant. Martin Selmayr's blatant seizure of power is a scandal by any standards. It has gone completely unpunished. For now. But other states, galvanised by the way Britain has been punished for daring to try to leave, are watching events as they unfold. Immigration is a serious problem for the European Union. Attempts to sweep it under the carpet, as ever, have failed. It is interesting, as I said at the beginning, that Brexit is seen as an expression of racism. This, like many smears against those who dare question the grand project, is rubbish. The Sun, for instance, has always uh, 
openly and publicly supported the flow of fresh talent into this country. We've always spoken up for immigration. But not the reckless sort of free-for-all we witnessed in Germany, which has antagonised countries across the European Union who are notoriously tolerant about, about social change. <coughs> a recent survey showed Britain is the most tolerant country in the EU on the issue of immigration, which I think is a very significant factor today after three years of Brexit negotiations. Even so, we are still in... We are still in importing about a quarter of a million immigrants to this country. Not all of them, of course, from the European Union. But Brexiteers are accused of lying and cheating to win the referendum. Yet nobody lied and cheated more than the Remainers who predicted economic Armageddon to protect this fantasy country called Europe. Brexiteers are cast as stupid and uneducated, yet they include luminaries like the former governor of the Bank of England, Mervyn King, business tycoon Sir James Dyson and respected economist like Roger Bootle. Yet egged on by Chancellor George Osborne, everyone from the IMF to the World Bank, from the Bank of England to the CBI, warned Britain would plunge into mass unemployment, a house price crash and economic meltdown. Every single one of these project fear nightmares proved false. Indeed, the UK has enjoyed a job-creating miracle, with unemployment half the rate in France and way below the European average. It is the envy of Europe. Companies like Google, Apple and Amazon are setting up headquarters in the UK. Warren Buffett is desperate to pour some of his billions into Britain. Not one of these ludicrous forecasts turned out to be true. Mark Carney, Governor of the Bank of England, is even warning now that interest rates may have to rise just because we are creating too many jobs and paying too much money to the employees. It would be absurd to suggest everything in the garden here is rosy. There are many companies which are shifting cash outside to other countries in the European Union. Many investors are also setting up offices outside Britain. Money is moving out of the city. But this is mainly because we've made such a hash of negotiations. We have, we have torn up all our trump cards, not least of which was the intention to leave the European Union if a deal wasn't found. We must be made worse off to discourage the others. Brussels intends to punish us for daring to leave. I wonder how many of, these <coughs> of those journalists from countries outside the European Union could imagine their country accepting such high-handed arrogance. How would they like being told what to do, what taxes to raise or to lower, how much fish they can catch, what immigration quotas they should accept, what human rights should be available to their citizens? Thanks to a Prime Minister who cannot understand Brexit, does not sympathise with it, does not want it, and who listens to civil servants instead of her own party and her voters, we are in deep trouble right now. We risk the election of the first overtly Marxist government in our history. We can't even really blame the European Union for our woes. It never wanted or expected us to leave, but it is hardwired to make sure anyone who tries does not escape lightly. We are, we are to be punished for daring to cancel our membership, 
It is important that we are made to be seen worse off in every possible way as a result, and we have surrendered without a shot being fired. Angry voters who took revenge on the government in last week's local elections Beg your pardon. Angry voters took revenge on the government in last week's local elections. The collapse in the Tory vote will be as nothing compared with the bloodbath we can expect in the EU elections in a fortnight tomorrow. When the Tories are eviscerated by Nigel Farage's Brexit party, his new MEPs will be gone within months after taking their place in Brussels. But along with other populist representatives from various countries, they will make their mark. Will there be a rise here in right-wing extremism? No, I don't believe there will. Not in Britain at all. There is no evidence or appetite for it. Indeed, Farage's new Brexit party is probably a safety valve against it. But is this a crisis for democracy? Maybe. It depends on takes, who takes over as Prime Minister and whether we see Jeremy Corbyn leading the next government. Everyone is asking what happens next. Everyone. And nobody, including the government, has the answer. <coughs> In the present miserable circumstances, some of us might even wish that we'd never had a referendum. But we cannot erase history. The die is cast. We cannot reverse a democratic decision by a significant majority of the public, reinforced by parliamentary legislation, to leave the European Union. Wishful thinking doesn't help. One day, under a Prime Minister with vision, skill and determination, we undoubtedly will leave the European Union. Thank you. Thank you very much.